Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And just wanted to start off the show with a bit of a correction if you heard our last episode. Uh, you may have noticed I had a story about hearing uh, about the Polytechnic massacre as it happened, because I read it in a newspaper that was a late edition. That was not accurate. Good. I went and I looked out when it happened. I don't know what you're saying good about. Uh <laughs> I And what actually happened was, I'm like, how could I have possibly known about it while I was doing my paper route? And I remembered reading it all in the paper, which I did, but that was the next day when I was packing. The reason I heard about it as it happened during the paper route was that it happened at four o'clock. And I delivered my papers at five, wearing a Walkman where I listened to the radio live. And they actually broke into, you know, the oldie station broadcast to call, uh, to cover the news live. So I did hear it live. I did find out about it live while I was doing my paper route. It's just, it wasn't by reading the paper. It's because I was listening to the radio. So that makes a lot more sense. It does rather than me sitting down and reading. Although I did the next day, sit down and read the whole thing in the cold. Uh, Well, I read half of it and I read the rest of it while I was walking. Yeah. I read the entire coverage, which was like pages and pages of coverage while I was doing the thing. But no. And that explains why you didn't hear about it. It had happened in the morning because someone would have, you know, mentioned it to you. It's because you were on the bus while it was actually happening. Yeah. Coming home. Exactly. From university. Exactly. So it's like, yeah. So you would not have, you would not have heard about it right away. So there you go. That's, uh, that's the actual story. Sorry for getting a detail wrong last time. Uh, I know it's not an important part of the story, and again, my but I did not want to leave you with any false information about about the story. And well, our memories are sometimes faulty. I've had this. I had oh, yeah. it with Bruce and about X some historical event over the last forty years or fifty years yeah. or something like that. And then I went and I looked it up, and I went, "Oh well, Bruce, yes, I was wrong. You're yeah, right. It happens." <laughs> No, and I mean, there's nothing. I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't wrong about details and things like that. It was just that I had the timing a little off. Yeah. And well, um, I think it's important to remember. Like, there's nothing wrong with making a mistake. Yeah. There's something wrong with saying you didn't make a mistake. There's nothing wrong with making a mistake as long as you admit you made a mistake and try not to do it again in the future. Yeah. All of the problems come from doubling down on your mistakes and claiming you didn't make a mistake. And let's face it, going a little nuts with that kind of stuff. And I'm not going to comment on where we can see that in the real world (laughs) because who's, who's looking to pile on today. All right. Now let's get to the actual thing. We're here to talk about criminal minds with episode four pay-per-view, which would suggest that it is about uh, snuff films and the videos uh, wait, mastermind wait, makes to use. That is not what the episode is about. Look, let me tell you something really funny. Yeah. Okay, I go on Disney Plus. Yeah. And I go to episode four and it says pay per view. I said, why am I having to pay for this? <laughs> kind of funny. Just a title. Right? Just a title. And I was all you, except that you, you started know, up and you're like, oh, it's just an episode. <laughs> okay. I finally figured out it was the title of the episode. Oh, it's hilarious. All right. So, yeah, it's called Pay-Per-View, and the title suggests one thing, but there is no snuff film element to this really at all. 
except that they do make people watch, well, encourage people to watch murders, but, yes. you know, not because of, uh, not for profit or for their own gratification as you get in the uh, snuff film concept. Yeah. All right. So let's get into it. We start with the aftermath of Moose eating that guy. Yep. And uh, our our belief that M.M., like, this is something I talked about right after we finished uh, the show last week, and I neglected to bring it up on the show, but I think I mentioned it in my write-up, that, like, what I said was, is Moose an avatar for him? Because the thing that he reacted to, we found out in that scene, was her saying that Moose is a sweetie who wouldn't hurt a fly. Yeah. Right? And then in that next episode we see his conversations with people talking about how he wasn't always this way. Someone turned him into, you know, someone who like a hunter or whatever he called it. Right. And so I'm like, is, does he see himself in moose? And was the whole point there to take an innocent thing and turn it into a monster the way he was. And that was my little theory, which seems to have been confirmed by the opening of this episode. Yeah, it does. Where we see him talking to Haywire from uh, Prison Break, his memory of Haywire from Prison Break. I was trying to figure out, who is that? Yeah, Haywire from Prison Break and the, the, the monster from, like, the, the good monster from Grimm. That's who that is. Yeah. Yeah, uh, really like that actor. I've seen him in a ton of stuff. I assume we're going to see more flashbacks to him because you don't hire him yeah. to be on the show once. No, nope. in a flashback. So yeah, it looks like this guy, whoever he is, whatever their relationship, he even says that the rules of how to not get caught are his. So uh-huh. we're doing a Dexter type of situation where this is the guy who taught him to be a serial killer. Yeah, and by the way, and I'm just I want to apologize to everyone. Apparently, I'm face blind because. I assume that the guy in the first scene of the first episode was not Mastermind because he looks so different. But, you know, based on watching this, based on the fact that it's clearly not this guy, right? I think it, I think it must have been him and I just couldn't recognize him because he's wearing glasses and looks so physically different. Also, I think I was confused because he actually looks older in the opening of the first episode. Yes. Than he does for the rest of the show. And that's set 17 years earlier. <laughs> so I think my brain assumed that, like, how can he look older 17 years ago? Yeah. So, but I, I think it's just, like, his haircut, his glasses, and the way his face looked made him look older there. And that's what got me confused and certain it was another person. So, sorry if I confused anybody by me getting that wrong. It's okay. Yeah. We'll right. forgive Oh, thank you. But tragically, this is all we're going to see of Mastermind this week. Yeah. Uh, just this one scene. Except for the fact that he then puts down Moose, which I'm really sad about. Like, you couldn't have kept a a dog sidekick serial killer? I mean, that would have been so cute. Like Turner and Hooch, but with a serial well, killer. Well, well, no. <laughs> Jeez. I know, I know. Come on. No, what happened was, is that he proved his point. He did. No, he proved his point to himself and he didn't need Moose anymore. I get so it. So he didn't need Moose anymore. And besides, Moose was now too dangerous. Well, you say that, he but that dog was not capable of acting dangerous. That dog was like, yes. the ha- even with the ch- even with the cage on its mouth, that dog was panting and smiling so happily. <laughs> like, they cast the happiest dog in the world. 
I know it was wonderful, but yeah, yeah, he didn't. No, he didn't. Right. Him he didn't need him anymore. Proved his point. Yeah, and so that means to follow up with your suggestion is that he can say it wasn't my fault. I ended up this way. Exactly. I think he. I think he psychologically needed yeah. to do this. You know. Yeah. In order to justify what he became to himself. Yes. And we'll see if they go deeper on what it's like him having kids and how that factors in. Because I think that's a really interesting wrinkle to all of this. Yeah. That just like uh, the actual Israel Keys and Dennis Rader, like people who actually had kids. And how does that affect their serial killing and their self-identity and just like how do you live those two completely separate lives is a really interesting take on this. And I'm yeah, you know, kind of fascinated to see where it goes. Yeah. And if you want to take, we, we have discussed particularly BT. Yeah. BTK and Dennis Rader's daughter. And his daughter and stuff on some episodes way back. We should figure out which episodes we discussed. What I, mean. yeah, I know, right. That's, but, a, um, that's quite a, di- that's quite a task to, but uh, as you go, yeah, as you go through, when, whenever you find that they just, they were dealing with a similarity to the VTK killer, that's when we discussed it. We also yeah. discussed, you know, so we've discussed some of the books and things and like honestly, that. And honestly, we might get around to sitting down and like doing a deep dive on her book at some point. Yeah. Because it came up, I mean, I'm sure it came a lot up a lot when we had, um, uh, Rachel Nichols on the show. Because yes. Because that is the, that is the like, that was the water they were swimming in with the Rachel Nichols character. Yeah. All right. Uh, so then we cut to Quantico where they're uh, getting ready to uh, talk to Green, who was the guy who was trying to kill uh, Mastermind last week. Yes. And they foiled from his attempt to kill Mastermind. And we do one of those scenes where, like, they guess way too accurately about various things. Just like implausibly accurate than they're guessing. They're like, how could he possibly know that, um, you know, Voight killed hit? Well, they don't know it's Voight, but the mastermind killed his, uh, sister. It's like, maybe the mastermind bragged about it. I'm like, and that is, of course, what turns out to have happened. But, uh, well, because they didn't find the DNA of his sister in anywhere in the thing. But, yeah. uh, well, and that's a weird way to phrase it because you didn't find any DNA. You, you made a big <laughs> point two episodes about how you found no DNA. So all you can say is she wasn't one of the bodies. Yes. And that is the case. She wasn't one of the bodies. And that is the key piece of information. And then, um, they do like the worst job of sending in someone to talk to him because they're like, let's send in the person he's maddest at to talk to him. Oh, uh, by the way, she also has no training for how to deal with people. <laughs> she has no training for how to deal with possible suspects, and he hates her. Let's send in Penelope to talk to him. Because <laughs> he blames Penelope for, yeah, screwing, he, everything for screwing this everything up. But it's like, what, what bothered me is I would have understood her going in had she said the big question that I still have. What did you expect me to do with these files? Mm-hmm. You said I could have stopped it. What was I supposed to do other than go to the FBI? Yeah. But I will say that, uh, Penelope, you don't get to say to him in a catty fashion, uh, I work for the FBI, because you specifically did not work for the FBI 
when he sent you that stuff, and you were really vehement about the fact that you don't work for the FBI. Well, she does correct that later on. I know, but I think it's it's worth pointing that it's like that's not a good comeback from uh to his statement that you. Well, no, but but this goes to what you just said. Yeah, that she is the wrong person. Person to send in. No, I understand why they thought it could work, but it could work. You know, I mean, they're not. After all, we may think they're gods (laughs) and goddesses, but they're not. Well, they're sometimes omniscient. You can't deny that. No, that's true. (laughs) All right. Uh, But anyway, it doesn't go well. But we do learn something interesting, which is, and this is phrased in such a weird way, because they say uh, when, uh, when Tara and Emily are talking about it, they say in the most passive voice imaginable that the... Uh, that the sister was last seen going out on a date with her then boyfriend who's named something like Lee or something like that, right? And they don't mention until later that this is the guy who saw her. And I'm like, I feel like you should have mentioned that when you were, like, if the last report, uh, her last reported sighting was by him and that's why he's so obsessed with it, mention it here rather than mentioning it later because the fact that later he they talk about him being there, it comes out of left field because it should have come up here when they were talking about the last time she was seen. So I just I found that strange, and I will admit I was confused by that. Oh well, not ever. I'm sure not everybody was. I'm uh, not sure about that. You know, it's oh, um, yeah. it's a minor. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not a minor thing. It is a minor thing, but it's like when you're uh, when you're talking about his involvement. Make sure you mention that. But he refuses to see, uh, talk to Penelope, and Penelope leaves. Yeah. Because, again, she was absolutely the wrong person to send in to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, but yeah, you wonder, it's like, but I just, I wanted her to ask, what was I supposed to do? You know? All right, now we cut over to uh, JJ and uh, Will having another wonderful morning at home. And it's during this scene that I'm like, oh, I feel like this is going to go very badly. We're spending way too much time in these people's house. Okay, well, and as it goes, well, and... We'll get there. Yes. No, that's what I I thought, too. I said... Oh, we're we're seeing way too much You want to know what I wrote down? What'd you write down? This was after the second section, but I'll give it to you now. I hope they are not setting up something bad happening to Will and JJ. <laughs> I know. I oh, that right. That, well, that's what I thought when I'm watching this scene. Well, especially because the guy who turns up at the end is talking about life insurance. I'm like, oh, no. Why are you setting this up? Ugh. Yeah. Don't do not do this to us. But we'll talk about that later. But we didn't. I mean, you don't know what it's, it was just a fear. Yeah. No, like we that. both. But it's notable, I think, that we both had the exact same fear. It's like. Why are you spending so much time with this perfect couple? Yeah, because, you know, I mean, they're they're now, you know, trying to get their world back together and her mother has moved closer and Mm -hmm. she was wrong about this. I know she's admitted she's wrong and reconciled with her mother in the aftermath of finding out what really happened to her sister. Like they're doing good stuff with the continuity in this relationship. Yeah, and and the mother has the boys, and she's going to keep the boys an extra day, which is going to give them some more time, time together. Time alone. Like, it's, it's all so nice. 
We don't know what went wrong with their relationship, but they're patching it all up. I think, you know? it, I mean, it has something to do, obviously, with moving there and probably something going wrong with her job there. And let's yeah. face it, her taking it out on him. Yeah. Well, yes, <laughs> there's no way that isn't what happened. Yeah. We know he's not the one screwing up. He's the perfect husband. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> and by the way, here's my question to you. Uh, okay. how shall I put this? Is, is it weird? Like, uh, cause I feel like Walmart must have paid for the product placement. <laughs> right? Uh, well, like, cause I didn't even know Walmart had insurance and that uh, like Walmart has a bank now, which by the way, ick, like I didn't hate Walmart. <laughs> Enough as a company. Now they're a bank too. Jesus. Well, it's because of the credit card, and then they. I they, know uh, they expanded to other financial services, and once you're selling credit cards, of course you're going to sell life insurance. I get it, but it's, yes, it's just know. you know, I have a problem with the financial industry. Let's well, just no, say I that. mean it is. It, it, you're beginning to wonder, right? Because we've had two WalMarts and a Costco. <laughs> no, but no, no, one hundred percent. This is a paid statement about Walmart Financial. There's no way Walmart didn't get pay, didn't pay them money to say that the life insurance was from Walmart Financial. But that raises the question. Did Walmart also pay to have it be that their parking lot is where a serial killer swapped cars? Twice? Twice? And then Costco got mentioned as well. Like it's, it's a little strange. The kind of product placement we're getting on this show is all I'm saying. Yeah, because we're not getting a lot of it. But yeah, I mean, I, I have to admit, I said exactly the same. Okay, thing. good. Walmart like, insurance? Walmart insurance? No, can't, can't get that in Canada, I don't think. I hope not. I have to check that out. I, I, uh, I really hope not, but that's another conversation. Uh, I'm going to tell you a funny story about why this was especially funny to me uh, on the uh, on the show. Uh, it, when I was watching the show, but like the obviousness of this product placement, there is a connection to it that I found very funny that we're going to talk about later. But right now, uh, let's just move on to, we get a scene in the office where Joe slept in his office, which as they say, well, it's a step up from the crappy hotel he was in. <laughs> well, it wasn't a crappy hotel. Yeah, it was nice enough, but it was just, it was very impersonal. At least he's trying to, at least he's trying to, like, be close to his surrogate family, you know? Yes. Like, he is, he is, like, I wouldn't call sleeping in the office a cry for help, or I'm not going to be that dramatic, but it is him trying to feel close to people that he needs in his life. And he's admitting he needs help by sleeping in the office, whether he's ready to say that or not. What you call it is a step forward to moving back into his house. Exactly. Or it is an intermediary. Either way. Yeah, either way. Either moving back into his house or selling his house. Mm -hmm. You know, and neither one of those options is anything. I mean, his house is empty, sitting empty. Yeah. His insurance rates on an empty house have oh, got to be enormous. Insane. Of course. He's probably got someone going in cleaning once a week. Probably. Or something, dusting and stuff like that and checking and he's Got a security system, but I'll bet you, because that's what happens if you have house insurance and nobody's. You need living, that, yeah. Your rates go way up. Of course, because it's a prime target for vandal squatters. There's yeah. any number of damage, uh, like there's going to be a flood if there's no one, or a gas leak if there's no one there to notice it. Like it's huge. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, so we talk a little, they talk a little about how Green's bag, uh, the one that had the bomb in it or the fake bomb, because he got rid of the bomb making materials, have been in the ground for five years. Again, you know, adding plausibility <laughs> elements to this because that suggests that, and this is the interesting thing. I guess he's not, for the most part, it seems like Voight had planted all of these murder kits around for himself, and now he's selling all of his old murder kits. So it's like, this isn't something, the burying isn't something that started during the COVID. It's something he was already doing just for himself. And after, and during and after COVID, he started selling his pre-done, I mean, unless I'm reading this wrong. But the fact that it's been down there for five years suggests that you know, he was already doing the kits just for him, and he's only now started selling them to other people. That makes sense, right? Yeah, it makes sense. I hadn't thought about it, but yeah, that would um make complete sense, given the scope around the nation and everything else, because he would have had some difficulty putting yeah. them all in place during COVID. That's what I was thinking. Because he yeah. has so many of them. Yeah, like, yeah. that's a lot of traveling during COVID. Yeah, and we'll find we'll find out. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to find out. Yeah, and so I mean, it makes a lot more sense because if you think about it, if his whole thing as a serial killer was traveling around the country murdering people, right? Uh, traveling around the country murdering people, and now he suddenly can't travel. Of course, he needs to find local surrogates to do the murdering for him, and this is why he has. But he has to make it like he's doing a favor for them. And getting them to pay him. And getting them to pay him. So turning it into a an extra line of uh, profit, which, you know, uh, capitalism sucks, everybody, and this guy's the proof. <laughs> uh, why not turn a profit on serial killing, he says. Yeah. All right. Uh, but yeah, so that's interesting. Also, there was a weird line where, and this is something maybe I'm the only one confused about, where they're like... Um, where Penelope said to Green, uh, if you don't talk to us, you know, we're the only thing standing between you and uh, spending 25 years in prison. And I'm like, for what? Yeah. He carried a, he carried a, you know, pressure cooker full of dish soap into a park and then you tackled him. I don't think he committed a crime. <laughs> like you, you said he's a terrorist, but he didn't have a bomb and you don't have any communications proving that he's a terrorist. So... I'm not even sure how it's legal for you guys to hold him right now. Yeah. But, you know, that's something the show, uh, that's something the show might just not understand. All right. So, uh, it's, it's a very interesting setup though. All right. So after this, we finally get, uh, the, oh, and they do discuss the possibility that the unsub, uh, like knew that Green was his mole and was there to kill him. Yeah. But of course, they have no reason to believe that he was there to kill him because Green isn't talking. You know, so yeah, like, I, yeah, that kind of came out of the blue. And I'm going, what? You know, I mean, we know that this is the case. Yeah, because we have seen. We saw it happen. We saw him get on the plane. We saw him there. Right? Yeah, and, you know, and we also saw him saying, "Well, there was one thing he had to do. He had to confirm." Yeah. You know, because he knew he had this mole and he had to get rid of the mole yeah. before he did anything else. Exactly. And so we all assumed he was going to murder Green and that was Green's trap. But, like, they don't know that yet. We know that. 
And that's, yeah. and I think like this might be this situation where they're kind of like forgetting what the characters know, like which, like which characters have which information, because it's a very odd thing for them to say, we scrubbed the video around the park and we didn't find any persons of interest. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, you don't know what anybody looks like. You don't know what you're looking for. You no, might have, you might no. have the killer on camera and you would have no way of knowing it. Cause he looks like everybody else. Exactly. And so it's like not going to look like he's weird and <laughs> carrying a gun. Yes, of course. You know, I mean, yeah. So it's just a weird thing for them to have said that they like scrubbed the video looking for persons of interest. Yeah. Didn't find anyone. I'm like, yeah, but what were you looking for? Cause you have no idea. You have zero. I mean, it's definitely a white guy because it's a serial killer. And, you know, let's go to the, the math might here. Be around 40. Probably. Well, no, but I mean, they know he's been doing this for, yeah, probably around 40 because they know he's been doing this for a while. Yeah. Because of how old the earliest, because he kept, you know, dates and times in the container. Mm -hmm. Right. So they would have, they would have to know about that. So the question is like, uh, so the question becomes, other than 40-year-old white guy, there were definitely some 40-year-old white guys in the park, but I don't know what they would be basing person of interest on. Yeah. All right. So uh, then we cut to Miami, Florida, where a couple is checking into their nice hotel, and we do more comments about how they were lucky that the uh, place honored their reservation from before COVID. That was so nice. It was nice. Although, honestly, like uh, going to Miami in September seems weird. I mean, but that's just me. I'm Canadian. I find the idea of going to Miami anywhere near the summer to be like a nightmare. Well, this is hurricane season. <laughs> right. It's also hurricane season. Like, why were you so excited to get to Miami in September? Yeah. You know what? Whatever. They're enjoying it. And then they get a notification from their phone. And the notification is people have broken into their house and are going to murder a security guard in front of them. Ooh. Do, 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 do. I know. It's great. And, um, oh, and right before this, and this is the key part, they live in Germantown, Maryland. Yeah. And Joe has just established that, like, in Indio or some place in southwest, uh, south, southern California, I don't remember the exact place, one of the cases is missing. And in, uh, and in Rockland, Rockville, Rockville or Rockland, whatever it's called, uh, the, another one of the, Maryland, another one of the cases is missing, thus creating the suggestion, the completely reasonable suggestion that this might have an association with the murder frat. Yeah. It's a completely I, reasonable thing to assume at this point, because Germantown is very close. So yeah, I totally get why they think that. I'm not going to criticize them for jumping to the conclusion that this is involved. It makes total sense to me that they think this was involved. Uh, so anyway, they, uh, the guy murders people and it's obviously like two young guys doing it. Like, even though their faces are blurred, it's yep. obvious that it's two young guys. They do that quite well. Uh, then it's back to, uh, Quantico where finally Penelope is looking into Green's backstory. We find out that Green raised the, uh, his nephew. Is his sister. sister's, uh, yeah, his sister's kid after she died. Yeah. Well, I say died after she disappeared. 
yeah. he, he raised the kid and, uh, you know, we, the kid has just graduated from high school. So we get a bunch of updates, right? And now, and this is why I was so confused. Now he says she was the last person to see her, uh, he was the last person to see the sister alive. And I'm like, yeah, that really could have come up in the last scene. Like, it's a weird to mention it now. But the important oh. part is this is her and Luke's plot for this week. They're going to do a cognitive interview with Green to try and get him to remember any details about the night she disappeared. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. And your thoughts on the believability of cognitive interviews, do you find they work? <clears throat> uh, I would say it's a lot more complicated than um, what happened in that room. Yeah. I think it's a lot more difficult, and I think it would be extremely difficult with Green. However, I will give them this one because I, the reason I say it's a lot more difficult with Green is that even though he's agreed to do it, his whole brain is very reluctant mm -hmm. to go there. And we do see why. I mean, when they do it, I will give it to them because... Uh, the time it would take is not going to be allowed. It, we, we so in real life, we'd yeah. have to imagine this is a couple of weeks worth of sessions it, to get him It could easily be. Like he would get bits and, and, maybe, and then he would resist and he would get bits and resist. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard. It's almost, it's akin to hypnosis. Right. These cognitive interviews. Um, you have to shut off part of the brain and you have to be willing to shut off the part of the brain. And a lot of people and the brain can resist. The mm. brain has a mind of its own, so to speak. Yeah. And it can resist um, going to the places you need to go. But given the time constraints of say 50 minutes, 52 minutes or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'll you give have them to, yeah. yeah, you have to streamline a bunch of stuff. There, I think we've talked, their cognitive interviews always, uh, work, right? They always work. You would think that this works every single time and why doesn't everybody use it <laughs> to get their memories back? Well, it doesn't always work and it's not always that easy, but you know. And this, this yeah, and it's not that far off from the hypnosis where you can wind up implanting false memories in people. Well, uh, it's probably a little bit further away, but yes, and hypnosis is, even hypnosis, if you are not hypnotizable or if your brain is massively resistant to going where you need to go to find out the information that is in your brain, yeah, because you don't want to, and given, and this is what I will say, given what we find out from him, this could have taken easily two, three, four weeks to, to get there. Um, of these kinds of interviews because you would do it. He would find a little bit of information he would have to process, um, find out some more because it, I, I can't see it coming that easily. If there is someone who tells me, you know, can prove to me that cognitive interviews work this fast and are always massively productive. Yeah. This guy is so closed um, down. Closed down, and he has every reason to be. The mm -hmm. guilt that this man is carrying is justifiable guilt. Yep. It is his fault. 
Well, I mean, he might have gotten murdered, too. We don't know. that, but Okay, he might have gotten murdered. But... He might, and he might have gotten... He might have gotten there, and they were no longer there. Yeah. But, but he'll never know. That's the problem. But he will never know. Now, I mean, murdered, too, would be highly unlikely, given how... Because now we're talking about what they found out in the interview. Yeah. And what they found out in the interview was that he was there to babysit his brother. Mm. And when the Nephew. guy comes... His nephew, and when the guy comes to pick his sister up, he's screaming at her because there's another man and there's another person in the room. Yeah. In the apartment, and he doesn't, you know, and he's not and comfortable he's with any other people seeing him. Yeah. And he should have, it should have been controlled. Why she still went out with him, I have no idea. Yeah. Well, I assume she was planning on breaking up with him that night at yeah. the restaurant, and that's why she wanted the brother there as uh cover but we will we won't find that out for a while i don't even think we'll find that out ever we might never find that out you're right because what happened and then what happens is is that he and he calls his mother he says he's going to meet them at the restaurant he calls his mother to take care of the nephew to take care of the nephew and then off he goes with his friends yeah i know and i understand you're right like it is i believe this level of guilt from him yeah, you can believe it because even if he got there too late, there would be less guilt. Mm-hmm. You know, if he got there and got murdered too, but I don't think he would have been murdered. The the guy might have might have actually just left, left and never seen the girl again. Yeah, because it's not like she had anything on him. Although no. I got to say, we're going to need to learn a lot more about what was going on with uh, Mastermind at that time because it's like. His whole thing is about uh, killing people you're not connected to. So why did he kill this woman? Why did he start dating a woman? Well, the whole point is maybe, maybe, maybe she wasn't killed by Mastermind. Well, I mean, he is in the episode. Like when we do the flashback, it is him. Like it is quite clearly his voice. But you know what? That's a conversation we're going to maybe it was killed by. Oh, you're saying maybe he was at, he was trying to be smart about it and maybe his boss killed her, like his original boss yeah. killed her. Good point. That could be, that could definitely be something that might have happened. And I didn't see that for a second. Yeah. Like, like there could be something there else. There could be a twist coming there. there. Yeah. Her. And that just because uh, Voight was said, there, said that he did it, it might not be true. Yeah. It might not be true. Yeah, you make a good point. I hadn't even considered that. So that's a good catch. All right. Uh, But yes, so we move on. And it's fine that we talk about all this now because the whole cognitive interview is its own story that has nothing to do with the plot of the rest of the episode. Like it's not tied in even thematically to the plot of the episode. So it's fine that we just went through this whole plot as its own separate thing together. And the one thing you missed, though, is that Penelope does go in to see him a second time and blows up. Yeah. And then, and that's when he agrees to do the cognitive interview. Yeah, with Luke. And because she finally has told him the truth. Yeah, which is good. And how angry she was. And, and the reason she gave it to the FBI is she had was out. And he had brought her back in and she was not happy about it. Yeah. And by the way, and this is where she should have said, what the hell did you want me to do with those files? Yeah, this well, would have been the perfect moment for her to ask. But it was, it was a really... The whole no, it's a good scene. It's a very good scene. The second scene with Penelope was really good. No, it's really good scene, and that's the thing. It's like 
it's so interesting this season because we're having all of our normal plotting quibbles, right? Yeah. Quibbles about the plotting, and they're making a ton of the same mistakes, but all of the character stuff is so good and so dead on, and all of the emotional stuff is so true that I'm having a much easier time overlooking the plotting stuff. Oh, yeah, and the plotting stuff is is minor. We'll, we'll get to I my, my point three here. <laughs> In a bit, <laughs> In a yeah. A little bit, right? Um, oh, totally. I think that there is, and then that will get to what we're going to discuss at the end of this episode. We'll get there, yeah. Um, but it it is, I have, like, I found this a solid episode again. You mm -hmm. know, yes, there are oh, little is. quibbles, but it's not like... There's little it's quibbles. Like, There's one very big quibble that we'll talk <laughs> that I have. We'll get to, yes. But you might have the same one. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, um, but like the belief, like the way they manage, right, to get the the way they manage to get him to be uh, like it's totally believable that her blowing up at him would get him to say yes. Like the way they write that is just yes. it's it's perfect. You're absolutely the, right. Uh, uh, look, the writing so far. All the character stuff. Been, yeah. Like the writing so far has been such a step up. I know. Like the From character stuff is so good this year. Yeah. But then yeah. we cut immediately, by the way, and then they cut to a scene, uh, uh, a scene that has nothing to do with the plot or anything of just like <laughs> Will calling JJ to check how her day is going. And this is like you when I noticed, oh, definitely something's going bad. <laughs> There's no reason to show this unless something's about to go bad. Like, yeah, God yeah, damn yeah. it. <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah, that was, and this was you know, the point, right? And I'm just going, yeah. Oh, is one of them going to get caught by the serial killer? You know, is he going to go yeah. off, off, off his plan? And is oh, one of them's going to get caught or something like that? Like, yeah, like that's, I didn't know where they were going. Or the kids, or the you know, kids, like, but yeah. the kids are at the, at the, at the park, but of course, Voight is not yet. He has in no, yeah, he has no idea about the the team. Like, he has no, no connection with them whatsoever. No. But it's like, oof. But yeah, but you see, I was thinking maybe in the second part. Right? Yeah, right? <laughs> All right. February. So here's where things get slightly baffling. We then see the killers drop by a house and set up for their plan to do the next, um, to do the next murder of security guards. Yeah. Right? Uh, and when the guy has broken in, he has set up the modem to hijack the security system. And he's going in to look around. And when he's looking around, he finds a note that said they had to cancel their flight for some reason. And they weren't going to be there. And sorry, they weren't going to be going on vacation. And the brother, the one brother's like, oh, this screws up our plan. And the other brother's like, no, this makes the plan better. And I'm like, More interesting. yeah, this is okay. What are you doing with that? And spoiler alert, we never Stop. find out <laughs> because those characters never turn up in the episode. Oh, they just, they just actually, we know they called the cops. Yeah. I mean, they, we know they called it, got to the FBI. Yeah. But no, they never show up. Nothing ever happens. Well, and the problem wait, is, wait a minute. they do give us a reason why. It's because they went to dinner. Yeah, but that's, but that, but my problem is, right? Well, I'll tell you what my problem is when we get there. But it's like, it honestly feels like they had a different, uh, ending, well, not ending, but part of this episode planned. And we'll talk about that was in our, you know, 
PCM rewrites criminal minds section that we always do. <laughs> right? Uh, because there's a way more effective version of this episode that they almost did. Well, yes. Yeah. And we'll do that. And we'll get there when was, we get there. You know, when they, when they, when they go, oh yeah, good. There's a safe, safe house, yeah, a safe, safe room. room. Yeah. And, and then you're going and you see the team coming in, right? And you hear safe this. Room. The safe room, right? And it, but there's it was, a better, there's a better version of this episode that they almost get to. Yeah. That they almost get to. All right. So now, uh, cognitive interview stuff. I mean, we've already talked about the cognitive interview. It's handled well. And I love the way they filmed it with him changing the costume back and forth between young and older version of him and changing his hair. And then like he's shaved in the, when he's looking at himself in the past, they do yeah. a good job of making him look like, you know, 15 years difference. Like, it's not completely believable, but it's a really good job. Yeah, and the empty room where the room is completely empty. Yeah. Now, like, the, the visual like stuff they do, like, yeah. the visual stuff they do here is really impressive. I yeah. loved this scene. All right, so then we go to that night, and the security guards have been called, and I feel like these security guards should be a little more concerned, given that literally last night, Someone called in a security guard specifically so they could murder a security guard. And like, they in actually, the same town. They actually refer to it. I know. And they're like, ah, we don't have to be that worried. I'm like, shouldn't you be worried, though? Yeah, it's shouldn't, like, you be worried? shouldn't you be worried? Uh, and, like, the fact that they immediately split up as well, I'm like, ah, this seems like a bit of a stretch, guys. Uh, this really does seem like a bit of a stretch. And so, yeah, but anyway, they get kidnapped and, uh, they get kidnapped and they get slashed as one does. All right. They get kidnapped and they get slashed. All right. And we, this is where it gets a little weird, right? Cause we have to call and they bust in and they hear some noise from the panic room. They open the panic room and the guys have moved the body into the panic room. Right. Yeah, both so, bodies. Yeah. Both the, yeah. the bodies of the two guards in the panic room. And so then we get, um, the profiling scene and a, we're ready to deliver the profile scene. I don't know why they're ready to deliver the profile at this point, but. Well, no. Okay. And this is, this is where the rewrite actually fixes a huge amount about the episode. And I honestly, I suspect this might have been how the episode was originally written and like a production reality of maybe not being able to get the two actors who are playing the family who live there, right, uh, is key. Because they, out of nowhere, the thing that lets them get to who the killer is, is they completely, out of the blue, say, everything about their this is a performance, they must be recreating something that happened to them as children. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, but here, here's what I wrote. Delivering the profile. Obviously something that uh the fans love and therefore they've got to recreate it every episode. <laughs> That's the only reason to do this scene. I know to do this scene is for the fans. Oh totally. I agree because with you one hundred percent. It was like what, what? you know uh, say what? But so the the thing that bothers me so much about this scene, right, is so they announce uh oh well, we know one hundred percent this is something that happened to them as children. I'm like Every, well, I would not say every, 80% of the serial killers you chase have an incredibly rigid MO of the way they commit their crimes. 
That is like inherent to being a serial killer. And only a tiny fraction of them are recreating a specific thing that they happened to them as children. So there is no way you can say this must be what's going on. But there is a way they could get there. And well, I'll tell you what okay. that way is. Okay, you're going to tell because may I make my... No, no, make your thing. I will just make my complaint because they are not recreating what happened to them as a child. No, but they... You know, when you get to find out what is what is really going on, it bears almost no resemblance. Uh-huh. But, all right, so here's yeah. what I suspect the script originally was and oh, production problems kept them from doing it. Right. I think what happened was that original, in the original version of this episode, again, maybe this is just me projecting, you tell me. What happened was the people came home from dinner yes. or the airport or whatever, and they found the two killers in there and threatened them, right? And then we cut immediately to... Uh, we cut immediately to the cops arriving, right? And then the cop, they do the thing with the cops and then the cops getting murdered and then the call to the police and the police rush them and they bust open the door and they find the couple completely safe inside the panic room. And then the, the couple explains to them that they came up with their guns and they made us get in the panic room and they demanded that we watch them kill people from the panic room. And then you could say, and only when you find out that they did something that weird, would you say, okay, the the specific methodology of making people watch a death from the panic room has to be meaningful. And the thing is, it makes it makes the guy's line about the the people still being town being better make more sense because they're able to make it more like the real thing that happened. Yes. It comes closer. It comes closer. And so that's why I think this was even the original version of it, because it makes that line from him make more sense. I know. So it's like, and that way, and if that had happened, I think it completely justifies the team saying they're recreating something from their lives. It must be, yes. It must be. And then telling everybody, I need you to look for cases where someone was murdered, like someone got murdered while someone was in, and like someone watched someone being murdered from a panic room yeah. because that's what they end up finding that the, there was a break in, in the house and the mother didn't get into the panic room in time. And the kid, uh, the one kid and the dad did, and the other kid was trapped outside and they watched the mother get, and they, ref- the father refused to open the door because he wasn't going to risk his one kid's life. And they slashed the mother's throat, but then they didn't have the guts to slash the kid's throat. And they left. Right? And And then... Boom. There. Done. There. Done. Yeah. And I mean, the psychology makes perfect sense. Yeah. And how these are all dry runs for going after the dad. Like, it makes perfect sense, but how much better would it be had they... We had that extra couple there, and we actually recreated what had happened to them. Yeah. Whatever, Whatever it is, okay, the reason why, we'll ask... Yeah, some, at some we'll point. ask somebody at some point, see if we can get a 411 on this. Get a 411 on this. But it, it is, it is strange because I will also tell you, can we sort of skip to the end? Oh, yeah. Um, okay. So, um, the, the next but, thing, right after they deliver the profile, yeah, we've actually, I mean, by me saying they figured it out, we, by delivering the profile, we already skipped over that they watched their father leave from work and then they're like, we're going to go and we're going to murder his new fiance 
while he's watching on the security cameras. And so, you know, I mean, the rest of the, the rest of the episode is completely perfunctory. They race over to the house. They call the father on the okay. phone. You know, like it's, I mean, it's just normal. They foil the killer stuff. Okay. Once but what I want, want to tell you, right? Yes. This is one thing. This has nothing to, well, it's, it's my reaction. Please. And, and I am not proud of my reaction. <laughs> okay. Okay. But I honestly thought that this man deserved to see oh his, my God. his fiance get killed. Oh my God. I have no sympathy for this man to have gone in there and left his wife and his son because he wouldn't pay. Well, it's not that he wouldn't. I don't know that it's he wouldn't, wouldn't pay. Or there is that implication. Well, no, 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 because. You're right. They, the implication is they were demanding money from inside there, but the fact is, very few people have money inside their panic rooms. So it's like, what was he going to do? Open the door, say there's no money in here, and hope these guys didn't kill him and his wife and the one child he was protecting inside the panic room? Well, I'm sorry, but I have no okay. sympathy for that man. None right. whatsoever. He left his wife and his son you know, what did he do? Grab his favorite son? No, he just grabbed the one who was closest to the panic room. I'm sure they each grabbed one kid and they grabbed him to the panic room and the wife and the other son got intercepted. I mean, I'm filling this in. We don't know what actually happened. You could be right. You yeah, know, <laughs> like, I mean, you could be right. Did he close the door so they couldn't get in? Yes, that's it. Well, maybe he closed the door so the killers couldn't get in. Yeah, but what about the wife and the other? Well, I mean, if there's a killer between you and your... If there's your wife is at the end of the hallway, you're at the other end of the hallway at the panic room, and there's a killer between you, what do you do? Leave the panic room open and hope you can get past, like, that she can get past the killer? Like, you have a panic room to use the panic room. I, I do understand where you're coming from. I'm just not as hard on the guy as you are. I just, I don't, maybe it was the mood I was in when I watched it. <laughs> maybe. Remember? That was that was. When actually, I'm thinking up. about when you watched it. I'm like, okay, I actually see why the, why yeah, this would have specifically to, triggered you. Wait, uh, we will let people know. Yeah, I had this. I won't tell you what the horrible nightmare was. Yeah, <laughs> but I had this horrible, 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 horrible nightmare, nightmare of a similar then, enough situation. Well, not a similar situation, but uh, touching on similar issues. Touching on similar issues. That's true. Not having seen this episode, and then about two hours later, after I got episode. up and had breakfast, I'm watching this, epi this episode. This is also another guy I would have kicked out of the funeral. <laughs> so, yeah, I can see how you would find, given your head state, I see how you would find this more <laughs> triggering than I did and make more negative assumptions than I did. Uh, you know what? I, I totally get where you're coming from. Oh, my God. Anyway, but and this is what people have to remember. Is that your personal life experience can affect the how way you watch shows? Mm. You know? I think one of the most famous example of that, of course, is um, uh, that time Roger Ebert had to give a second review to Unforgiven. Yeah, because he uh, he saw it the week before, like three oh, days before night. he was getting married, and the he was distracted. And, oh, it was the night before he was getting married, and he was distracted, before. and he. Yeah, and he like did not pay attention to the like subtleties of that movie the way he should have, and like literally he gave it this nasty review, and everyone went to him and was like, "Are you crazy? Did you watch this movie?" And so he went and he watched it again. And he's like, "Oh yeah, that was that was me. I got it wrong." 
I got it wrong. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so it always helps when you have a personal thing that kind of pushes you. <laughs> no, totally. To I, your I reactions. It. Right? I totally get it. And as I said, I was not proud <laughs> that that is what you thought. That that is what I thought. Like, oh, he should have to watch her get her throat slashed. Yeah, but you know, why does she get to deserve to get her why throat slashed? Why does she doesn't deserve to die? That's okay? my point. Yeah, she All doesn't right. deserve to die, and I'm happy she didn't die. That's true. And this man will now spend the rest of his life knowing he has created two, two monsters. That's true. Two monsters by what he did. That's true. You're right. So that's the comeuppance we're getting. That's his comeuppance. Oh my god. Yes. And and she is going to walk out on him. Yeah. Well, yeah. we don't know that. Oh yeah, I do. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, they shoot. They shoot the one guy. The other guy goes to slit his throat, but then he can't go through with it. And they they ask him, you know, how did you find out about Sicarius? And he's like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. And then they realize, yeah. oh, this didn't have anything to do with the cases, uh, which I kind of predicted because this uh, this uh, they made such a big deal about the two remaining cases being themed around strangulation and acid. And yes. neither one of those popped up that just from a narrative standpoint, I felt like this couldn't be involved, could it? Because wasn't it supposed to be strangulation and acid? Yes. Well, see. Yeah, but not everybody pays that much attention. But because even I didn't didn't Mem think remember that. that part. No, I didn't think that through. Yeah. No, not when I was watching it. Like when you say it, I say oh, I'm yeah, going. They did okay, say well, that, yeah, didn't you're they? Right. You so, know, but you 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 do the nitpicky. I do. It is kind of my thing, actually. <laughs> little things. I was more preoccupied by other things, obviously. <laughs> Quite clearly, in fact. Uh no, but so then we. Um, so now they're like. With they get an interesting point because uh, they actually kind of speak for the audience, which is, oh, so this didn't move the major plot along? That's disappointing. And they're like, I never thought it would be disappointing to have caught a serial killer, but I'm pissed that this doesn't further our investigation. I'm like, yeah, you're speaking for the audience there. Thank you for that. Yeah, but I also, like, I really thought this was a good episode it is no it's a good episode it's a great episode and i think that it is a reality yep that we're not used to getting yeah. in criminal minds oh totally but and they they still had a serial killer they still had this problem to resolve mm -hmm. and <laughs> and i honestly if you make that one tweak mm -hmm. and make it so they caught the couple and could have done anything they wanted to the couple but instead made the couple get into the panic room and watch the killings like that totally changes like that that makes the psychology better it makes the episode more satisfying and it makes their ability to immediately figure out who the killers are all the more believable but even uh, yes yeah. and you're right and it's it's um but i just sort of yeah we all have these david what does, yeah, and David makes that depressing note that yeah. so we've still got two more. We've still got two more cases out there. Two more at least to save, right? Yeah. Which, um, that's, I Because that was, that's a callback to, of course, his discussion earlier on that mm -hmm. he's scared that they aren't going to find, right, the this serial before. killer before. Yeah. Other people get killed because we, they know these kill boxes are out there, and there may be even more of them. Oh, we know there are more of them because we saw him burying new ones. Yes, he's so, making new ones. 
and not doing well. He'll have to find a different transponder. Yeah, I mean, no, no, they only had the existing code. All he needs is new codes. You know, that's not a problem. So, yeah. Anyway, um, and then we get to the denouement of this episode. <laughs> and again, uh, what I always say is that um, people uh, like I always talk about how Josh Stewart is my favorite actor because yeah. I've never caught him acting. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, you can never tell, like, you just completely believe everything he is going through every time he's on screen. Yep. And this might be his best performance in the history of the show. This, it, it, he, if anything, well, I will tell you, because they did, the two of them did, um, uh, back fork together. Back fork together. Yeah. I to lay the groundwork is- for this. Yeah, was that's what I thought almost at the beginning is that back fork probably plays a role and has made this for the two of them. Yeah, has yeah. made their interaction a lot better, a lot deeper. Yeah. yeah, a lot deeper than it was before. Yeah, because they see how how rich the two of them playing off each other can create drama. How yeah, much. yeah, and it did and in it does. back fork, and it and, does uh, here because oh my god. Uh, anyway, the point is, Will's got cancer. Yeah, in all likelihood, I did go and look up what what those different tests were. <laughs> just because, because that's how the, much we care. That's how much we care, and he and of course this indicates that there is some cellular destruction going on, and all the other tests are to find out where right okay. in his body they're they're be. going to be hopefully zero in. I am going to hope that they zero in, and it's not metastasized, and it's. It's in like stage one or stage two. And they're able and to deal with it. But that that his performance was Oh my God. Trying to tell her. Like she comes in and he says, Well, do you want a drink? And she says, No, she's fine. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> have we have I know, we right? way beyond fifteen seasons of drinking. Yeah. Um and uh, you know, and then she knows something's wrong. And as he says, well, you know, I had to go and do some blood work because of this insurance thing. I'm glad it came. That's how they set it up. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, yeah, so probably he's got cancer. And, and so be like the second character who's got cancer, although one of them, I mean, we're assuming Crystal died of cancer, but we don't know. Oh, 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 I did find out. Yeah. It was, well, they call it sort of COVID related because she couldn't have some tests and stuff like that. So by the time she did manage to get tests for cancer and things like that and get into the hospital, it was too late. How did you find this out? I read it somewhere. Oh, okay. Because that's not in the episode. Oh, no, no, no. No, no. That's Oh, that's that's some backstory stuff. Okay. That's some backstory stuff. That they, like, talked about in an interview or whatever. Erica Messer who said that one. Okay. I found out another little piece of backstory that I'll tell you, too. Okay. But anyway, so very interesting and... Like, again, just an incredible performance out of the two of them in this scene. Yep. And that last moment where she's, like, holding on to him and you're like, oh, my God. Like, what the hell are they going to do now? Because their entire relationship is her falling apart and him, you know, holding everything together. That's their whole relationship. What the hell is going to happen if he gets sick? Yeah. Wow. And, um, 
it is i mean and then it's fade out yeah. i mean it was it was just a perfect way to fade out the episode yeah i am not happy i did not cry because i will not believe that they are going to let Josh Stu, I mean, they're not going to let Will LaFontaine die. die. LaMontaine. LaMontaine die. No, and I mean, we're not crying until it happens, okay? If it happens, I will be crying tears of anger. No, tears of fury. Fury! There is fury, but we're going to defer until it actually happens. If that happens. Yeah. We are not the only only ones that feel like this. So, but yeah, um... They managed to do just a really, oh. really good episode. Yes. That has nothing to do with the overall plot. And the, the Will and JJ stuff was good. And the cognitive interview stuff was good. And as I said, it wouldn't have even been a hard fix to fix the, um, to fix the main, the one big problem with the main plot of the episode. And it but may have, it would have required, it. yeah, it might, I might be right that that was their original plan. And they yeah. just couldn't get the two actors. You know what? COVID's a real issue. It's possible that they weren't able to get the two the actors. At the last minute, something happened. And they had to change their plans. It could be budget. It could be COVID. Who the hell knows? It, yeah. it might even be a thing where we didn't have to fix this episode because that was the intent. And we were just watching them scramble against production realities. It's not know? like that hasn't happened in other Oh, it happens all over. Shows, you know? 100%. So, yeah, I'm not at all blaming them for this in any way, shape, or form. This is something that might have been out of their control. Uh, All right. I agree. It's a solid episode. It's a really solid episode. We've had four episodes now. Number three is the iffiest. Yeah. This one is really solid. Just really. And the thing is, number three, the iffiest, even had some really good stuff in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not not even. Like, the iffiest episode still had a ton of really good stuff in it, so. Um, I, it's safe to say that this, like, how bad would they have to botch the back five for this to not be the best season of Criminal Minds? Yeah. Yeah. Because every season of Criminal Minds has always had its hit front. and miss. Yeah, exactly. You uh, know, and. But this it, one, a lot more hit than miss so far. And we're halfway done the season. Yeah. And we, we can't even call episode three a miss because no. we had to, we had somehow or another to know more about the man who is masterminding all of this. Exactly. And this, I think they did a reasonable job. I'm not happy about Moose. No. I'm not. But But they did a really great job of letting us into this guy's head. Yeah. That's why it's such an impressive episode. Yeah. So it is uh, right right now. And after I saw this one, I just went tight. This this was a tight episode. Absolutely. There was only one little thing. Everything with David Rossi. We haven't talked about everything that went on, like with Rossi and with with uh, Prentice and stuff like no, that. But but no, those are minor uh, details. They, they, it doesn't matter because we've discussed what was important. Yeah. So now let's get to two little. Okay, pieces. here are the two little things you told me I was going to have to wait till the end of the episode for. Okay. Well, the first one is just. I. This is just my my little riff on. I apparently. You know the note that Penelope pulled out of of the um you know that she had left when she left the Yeah, I remember. Right? And the little note and then she pulls it out and looks at it. Yeah. We are probably never going to find out what it was. What it said. Because, because Penelope wanted it to say one thing 
<gasps> and Erica Messer wanted her to say something else, and they could not come to an agreement. Oh no, but they're writing partners. Ah, oh, that's so frustrating. Yes. Oh, so, and man. I would assume, I mean, Erica Messer would be the final arbiter, but partner, but she's, you know, but you know, Penelope is going. But, what but she has complete ownership of this character. Yeah. So and I see how that would lead to a disagreement. Where then it's like, yeah, I'm the head writer. Yeah, but I am Penelope. So I'm the showrunner. I'm Penelope. Yeah. So who gets to decide <laughs> what yeah. Penelope would say? That's a really good question, actually. Yeah. And um, so we will probably never oh. know what was in that note. That's too bad. Um, because we don't, I didn't find out what the both, two pitches both sides were? wanted it to say. Oh. Yes. That may come up later. But the interesting thing that has to do with this episode was Please. last night, you know, my uh, my feed threw up Screen Rant. Okay. Who and gives it, us, oh. who, by the way, I get I pretty much constant notifications about Criminal Minds from Screen Rant on my phone. Thanks for that, Screen Rant. Uh, but well, anyway. Okay. All right. What, what did it say? Listen to the title. Somebody's pretty pissed off. Criminal Minds sets up Spencer Reed's return in the worst possible way. Ooh. That was your takeaway from that episode. Doctor, well, warning spoilers. Doctor Reed's return may have already been already set up in the worst possible way, right? And um, so. So, yeah, and of course, we do not believe this. They have no. to deal. Matthew Matthew Gray Goobler is unable to join due to scheduling conflict. Yeah, okay, yeah, Erica <laughs> Messer said that. You can believe that with, take that with a, a, a couple pound of, of salt. salt. Yeah. Not a grain of salt, a pound of salt, All okay? Right. And um, so what they're, and I'm just going, I'm not sure that that is, is what they necessarily take away. I think it's more a fear. Okay. Like I it it is, you know. I'm not even comfortable with that phrasing. Well, no, but uh Oh. Wow. Okay. I mean, so I what, see what they're thinking. Yeah, you can see what they're thinking that they're killing they're killing off uh, Will so that Spencer Reed can come back and take care of JJ. Yep. And if that happens, well, you know how I felt. <laughs> At the end of season 14 that we had been betrayed by the show? Yeah, I remember that quite well because you phoned me as you finished watching the episode to tell me that the show has just betrayed you and all viewers of the show. <laughs> <laughs> and And that was more pissed off than I was after 2012, when they fired Hotch. Yep. <laughs> so, I'm going. Oh, damn. I mean, that didn't occur to me for a second, because... Yeah, it never occurred to me either. And, Why would you somebody, think that way? Somebody, well, you know... I guess, I, mean, I get it, but... Oh. You know, and here's here's my, my thing, right? Yeah. Is that... Is that if Erica Messer hadn't come up with this thing about scheduling conflicts, when Matt Goobler has made it pretty clear he doesn't want to come back. Yeah. Long before you could use the excuse of scheduling conflicts. Mm -hmm. Right? 
he doesn't want to, doesn't seem to want to do this character again. Everything he's done since has kind <laughs> of like been very clear about that. Make it as clear as he possibly could. I mean, come on, go look at his YouTube channel. <laughs> I love his YouTube channel. He's trying to get as far away from Spencer Reed, boy wonder. He's got like, he you know, he's doing as far as he can and he's doing his children's books and he's like getting as far from this as he can. Oh yeah. I mean, I've seen him in costumes sometimes. And it's, it, it is wonderful. Oh God. Yeah. He's okay. so delightful. So, but, but remember there has always had been this business, this, these part. If I remember correctly, we did read somewhere that um uh, and I think it was Erica maybe yeah wanted wanted to get like because there was a certain segment of the fans that didn't want JJ and Spencer Reed to get together. 100% there was okay and and um but this was not possible because the fans that don't want it to, Are that want way JJ louder will to stay together way outweigh the Spencer JJ thing yeah because remember, that was a great fear. Oh, and, I remember. Uh, it, and I, I mean, it got mentioned. It got friggin' mentioned the time we saw them live. Yeah. Those fans are out there. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and it was never, you know, and I, and, and again, so this might be another sort of attempt. No, 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 no. You know, as I was looking at it, I'm going, am I now going to boycott Criminal Minds if you guys... <laughs> And they bring Spencer Reed back when I read this last night. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going, am I going to boycott Criminal Minds? Well, no, we're completists. I can't boycott no, it. No. I've learned my lesson. However said, vituperative we've been in the past. Well, remember, I said... Why would I say vituperative? Oh, my God. Uh, vitriolic we've been I in the past. I did. I calmed down. Yeah. COVID allowed me to calm down. <laughs> I know. And so, and I am thrilled so far. With how everything about how it's been going. It's been so good. By the way, Adam Rodriguez. Directed this week's episode. Directed this week's episode. Uh, it's not as good as his last episode. Okay. Uh, and the only comedy Barbara episode. Yeah. Was the head, the writer for this episode. Nice. And okay. he's, and of course he is from previous as well. But it's just, it excites me to see that they, that Adam Rodriguez for the second time. Like, cause the first time he did their first comedy episode ever. Yep. And now the second episode he's directing, he like did one that took, you know, interesting visual chances. Not yeah. in a way that Matt Goobler would have, cause you know, it's Matt Goobler, but he was taking in the whole cognitive interview, um, scene. He takes interesting visual chances that you just don't associate with criminal minds or at least haven't since its earliest days. Yes, and remember that Matthew Gray Goobler always does the, very seldom does the prosaic. Yeah. He always does these weird things, and you can't do that with this. No, this not with anyway. this one. Yeah. And the one thing that we have also noted up to this point, mm -hmm. right, is the, um, this, this idea that, um, what was I going to say? Uh, that, the filming, yeah, like the visual structure of the show mm -hmm. has been so much better. Remember, we about the first. It two. has transformed. Yeah, it looks it, like a completely different show. Yeah, in a good way. 
yes, I it it is it is so much better. And it is not a question of money. It is a question of whoever is the DP for this show. He's just doing uh, a great job. Is doing a great job. And yeah. um they're so they're like whether the, they have a Matt Goobler style visionary director or not. Because yeah. like that's the thing. Matt Goobler could always get great work out of the old directors of photography in a way yeah. that no other director did. Whereas now, every whoever's directing it, it looks great. Yeah. And that is and it may be that the set is a lot less contentious. Yeah, maybe. Then I mean, we've never heard all the stories and you can listen to our earlier podcasts where we have kind of gone, you know, into, well, you know, it just might be, or, X, you y, know, or Z. we have, we yeah. never have any information, but we have our theories. We have our theories about some of the things that have gone wrong with the show. Some of them have been proven right. Some of them have, well, there will never be any proof for one way or the uh, other. Yeah. But I don't think that it was a happy set. <sighs> Maybe and, not. But it's certainly, I mean, it's certainly just visually, but it now feels it is. so much better. Yeah, I think that that is the issue. The visual style is so much better. Mm-hmm. They seem, the actors seem more relaxed. Yeah, for- especially, by the way, especially Emily. You know, yeah. Paget Brewster seems like she's having a great time. Yeah, she's having a great time. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, uh, within the context of the show, we say, Obviously. yes, finally gotten, she's moved, bumped up. Mm-hmm. And even here, she's only overseeing the yep. BA, making sure that David Rossi doesn't step out of line. You know, I mean, sort of, but she's talking to him and, um, it's, it is good. It is. It is. It is I mean, pleasant. there is not a part of this show that no. isn't better now than it has been before. Exactly. And, um, literally, literally, I would say, then you tell me your thing. Literally, the only thing I'm saying is the la, the way that we, because he didn't work on it, we're guaranteed to never get just a beautiful Matt Goobler dark fairy tale is the only thing that is going to keep me from saying that this is the best criminal minds can be. Cause I know there's one thing it's missing and that is beautiful dark fairy tales crafted by Matt Goobler. Yeah, well, you can't have that in no, this. No, you can't. You can't this season. But I'm saying that's the only thing that I'm going to say they used to do better is every now and then you'd get a Brad Dourif episode and you'd be oh, like, God, oh, my episode. God. That that episode was I know, right? in tears. Of course. Such an incredible episode. Well, and that's up to Brad. Matt. Matt Gubler getting that performance out of Brad Dourif. Brad Dourif, who is one of my favorites. One of the great actors, period. Yeah. Yes, one of the great actors, uh, particularly of the horror genre. <laughs> oh, I don't think there's, uh, how do you say there's anybody better than him in the horror genre? You know? I don't think so. No, he's. I've watched him way too many times. I know, he's it. Because even, even when he did my favorite of his, which yeah. is Gethsemane, um, in Babylon 5, which I talk about a lot. Still a horror episode. <laughs> it's still a horror episode, but within the context, right? So yeah. you have. You have your serial killer. Mm-hmm. So it is, um, and it's the horror for Brad Dourif. I like, I can't say enough about Brad Dourif, but no, let's He's an get incredible back to- actor, uh, who was in an incredible episode of this show. But anyway, so the point is, I think next week is the half season ender. 
I think they take the break after after uh, Friday's yeah. episode, Thursday's uh, episode. Yes. Okay, so they're going to take the break after Thursday's episode, and then we will be. Uh, we're going to, uh, so obviously we're going to be back Friday with that episode, but we yes. might do one the next Thursday to just talk about as if we haven't already, but like just kind of put all of our feelings about the new season in one place. Yeah. We'll probably do a bonus episode over Christmas, although I'm not going to promise a date on that just yet. No, that's, it's Christmas. Yeah, exactly. It's, like it's we're both going to be very busy over the holidays. So we're going to try to jump in. You know, during the holidays, beginning of the new year, like how we feel about the half season, where we think it's going from here. But of course, we can't make those predictions until we see the cliffhanger they're going to put on us on Thursday. Yes, and it better not be the death of Will. They wouldn't. It's next <laughs> week. He's not dying in one week. God, no, that would be insane. Although if they try to cut, pull some crap where he's got cancer and then he has to sacrifice himself to save their lives. I'm going to be real pissed. Yeah, we we can come up with a whole whole bunch of scenarios that are going to piss us off. So let's wait till Friday. Yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna start judging the show before they've pissed us off. Well, but, no, because so far we're happy. The writing room is a hell of a lot better than mm -hmm. it was. Oh yeah. So it must be, as I said, a happier place to work. That wouldn't shock me at all if we heard that. But yeah, loving it, loving it, loving it. And I think, yeah. and I don't mind saying it. Like, uh, like I said, like the one thing this week is, yeah, the plot could have been tighter, but you know, the plot with the matador could have been tighter too. You know, yeah, the yeah. plot with the kidnapped, like they've never been great at plotting. You know, this isn't wire in the blood where you get great psychology and great personal stuff. And also it's a frigging brilliantly written mystery with criminal minds. You get a ifily written mystery and. You know, then some stuff that makes us angry. Except now you get an iffily written mystery and fantastic character work. So we're happy. So that's all That's all it takes to make us happy. You're not going to hear us complaining. All right. Uh, so that's it for this week. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling related fiction you'd like us to check out, please drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If there's any, uh, if you're listening to this on some sort of an app or podcatcher, please rate and review it because that is how people find the show. We're going to see you back here on Thursday for a new episode of Wire in the Blood. So that no, should be. No, you're not. Oh, no, not this the week? Do we have, do we have a new episode? Oh, no, we don't. You're right. No, we're taking, because of the travel, we're taking a week off of Wire in the Blood. Well, and we're going to see you back here. Yeah, because of the, it was a travel issue. Uh, and we're going to see you back here on Friday, hopefully, Saturday at the latest, with a new episode of Criminal Minds. But until then, I'm going to say that's right. Au revoir. And ha uh, well, until Friday. Have a good week until Friday. <laughs> Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.